Okay, we are working on a series for these Sunday nights. Uh, my goal is to do eight biographies. Eight biographies. Um, I'm going to do my best to pick all eight that men that are listed in Hebrews 11. And the reason why I want to do this is I want to show that God wrote about real people with real weaknesses. And some of these people faltered in the beginning of their lives. Some of them faltered in the middle of their lives. Some faltered at the end of their lives. God can work on someone like John the Baptist when he's still in the womb, and he can work on a thief on the cross moments before he dies. We can't put God into a box. And what this study is hopefully to do is to show that any kind of work system that we would ever create, it falls apart because these men and women will break it. And the only thing we can count on is grace. So that's why I want to get these diverse people with these incredible histories. And today we're going to read about one of the biggest knuckleheads in all of Hebrews 11. And we're going to see that he was God's. So let's go forward and let's get started. Okay? <clears throat> okay, the first reference is right there. Uh, just, just to kind of give you a backdrop, Samson is one of the judges. I think the judges ruled for 400 plus years. According to my record, the first judge was Moses. You can see him in Exodus. And then Joshua kicked in after right there. Most of the judges are in the book of Judges. There were one or two, Eli and Samuel, that show up a little bit later in 1 Samuel. But for the most part, all the judges are there. And the man we're going to study today is Samson, and he's recorded in chapters 13 through 16. Okay. And I want to make no bones about it, Samson was God's child. He was his child. And you want to say prove it? Good, say prove it. Prove it, all right. <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirty two through 34. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, he's the guy from today, of Jephthah, he was two weeks ago, of David, of Samuel, and of the prophets. Gideon and David are the people we know of. These men in the middle are a little lesser known, and Samson's the one we're going through today. And of the prophets, who through faith... Sometimes Samson exhibited faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So Hebrews 11 is what we kind of jokingly call the hall of faith. And uh, why Samson's in there? Uh, you know what? I'm glad he is, because the main, that means there's hope for me. Because if I was writing a Bible, if I was writing about me, I'd write about all my best stuff. But that just shows God is writing about real people, and that even gives me more confidence. It's inspired. Okay, let's go with Jephthah's life. Not Jephthah. Samson's life. Remember, it was in 13, 14, 15, and 16. We're not going to read all four chapters but this is how it starts. The angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, this is uh, Samson's mom, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. 
Now therefore beware, I pray thee, uh, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink or any or not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come of his head, for this child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So again, before conception, God had his eye on Samson, and he had actually elected him to an office, the office of judge. Okay? Events God declared before conception, he elected him to an office before conception. He commissioned him to deliver Israel before his birth. An ongoing dietary and grooming commandments were given to mom, and he carried him out for his life. So this is what we're looking at, someone God had his eyes on, okay? Now, as we read this, I want to stress it out. The relationship between Samson and God never changed. The fellowship did. He was always God's, but their closeness waned, okay? It's like I have a biological child. He is my child by name, by blood, and there's nothing I can do to deny that, but we are not always close. There are things that I can do to be a knucklehead, and there's things that he can do to be a knucklehead, and that can be severed. But with God, he's not the knucklehead, it's always us. Okay? So we go, and I I find it amazing when um, Samson's father hears this miraculous news, hears this older woman, she's never been able to conceive, And when he finds out, the first thing out of his mouth, he says, tell me how to be a dad. What a fantastic request. And Manoah said, now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? Do you remember when um, John the Baptist's father found out that they were going to conceive? He said, how can this be? Manoah didn't say that. He says, okay, Lord, I believe you. How do you want me to raise this child? Maybe he should be in the hall of faith. Yes? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that come of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or any unclean thing that I commanded her to observe. Notice that dad sought advice before conception, and he says, this is what your wife's going to do. She's not going to eat anything off the vine. She's not going to see wine or strong drink or not eat anything unclean. So the advice to the husband was to to the wife. Okay? It was a reaffirmation. Okay. So Samson judged Israel 20 years. Now, I want to show you something. I want to make an analogy. We're going to read, and I'm going to cherry pick out of these chapters, times where Samson exhibited tremendous strength. But I want you to notice something. Let's suppose a preacher comes along, and that preacher has been given tremendous gifts. I mean, he's got a brain, and he's got total recall of Scripture. And he's got great reasoning abilities and great teaching abilities. And not only that, he's in a tremendous orator. And he can speak and he can impress men. Now let's take that same preacher and he's got all those gifts plus the Holy Spirit comes on him. And then you go, wow, right? Then he's going to have 
that message speak to the spirit within the child of God. That makes all the difference in the world. There are times where Samson is going to exercise his might and he's going to impress people. But then there's times that Samson's going to exercise his might and the Holy Spirit's going to be upon him and then it's going to be, wow. Okay? All right. So, Samson operated in both realms. Basically, in chapters 13, 14, and 15, he exercised his might and the Spirit was on him. But once we get to chapter 16, he's going to exercise his might, but the Spirit's not going to be upon him. And that's the downfall. Okay? The danger of a preacher that that's effective and got that many people patting on the back, he starts forgetting about God and he thinks he's doing all the preaching. That's the danger. Okay? Well, that's kind of where Gideon went. So as we share this, we're going to realize that he had a weakness. He had a weakness for ladies. So let's keep on going. Samson had great strength in the first realm. The first realm is the gift of muscles that he had. Okay? In chapter 15 and verse 4, he caught 300 foxes. I can hardly catch a chicken. But he caught 300 foxes. It took some strong... and 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 he put them tail to tail, and he put a wire, and he let them loose and caused a bunch of destruction with the Philistines. In 15.8... Samson went and smote the Philistines hip and thigh with a great slaughter. He did that on his muscles. Okay? There was times where he fought and the spirit was with him. This is time where he fought and it was just himself. In 16.3, Samson rose at midnight, took the doors of the gate and the post, put them on his back, bar and all, and he carried it up to the top of the city and he went like that. That was all him. It wasn't God. Okay? And then chapter 16 and 9, There were men lying in wait, abiding with Delilah. She said, uh, the Philistines be upon thee, and he brake the seven green widths as a thread with it touched, touched fire. So his strength was not known. In other words, they didn't find out the source of his strength. So he was exhibiting tremendous strength, but he was not in God's will, and it was the gift he was doing, he was exercising, but the spirit wasn't upon him. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. Okay, let's look at some of the occasions. Oh, this, he did the same thing with new ropes. Okay, let's go to times where he used his strength, his natural gifts that God gave him, but also the Spirit was upon him. In 1325, it says, The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan and Zariah and Eshtaol, and he was um, defeating Philistines. In 14.6, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he rent that lion as if it were a kid. Okay, a baby goat. In 14.19, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and he slew 30 men of the Philistines, and he took their spoil, and he gave the change of the garments. And then the final one here is in verse 15, 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax with burnt offering, and his bands loosed, and that's when he killed the thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. So these are times where he exhibited his great strength, but the Holy Spirit was on him also. And you know, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? 
Well, no doubt God's given all of us gifts. And sometimes those gifts are exercised. But when we become compliant, when we become um, um, prideful, and we start thinking it's our ability and not God's, God has a way of humbling us. And that's where Gideon is. Okay? That's the lesson. Now, notice he's going to do some very rebellious things. But he's still in Hebrews 11. God's love is very, very strong. He is stronger than our obedience. Okay? And, and this is something we, we talked about this morning. If I take the gospel and look at all the commandments in the New Testament and I say, I've got to keep those commandments to go to heaven. What I've really done is I've just taken one law and swapped it out for the old law, and I'm still under the law. Okay? But he was a man of extraordinary strength with an extraordinary weakness. In his case, it was women. Now, that extraordinary weakness on our part... Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's drink. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's you fill in the blank. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's beauty. You know, we can fit anything in there. Okay, in chapter 14 and verse 1 and 2, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, he came and told his father and mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Okay. I want to make a couple points here. The first thing was, is Samson had an eye problem. And this is going to be a huge pun that I'm going to do on purpose. He had an EYE problem but he also had a capital I problem, okay? And both of those are going to pop up from time to time. In this particular case, he had an eye problem. Now, Scripture does say that God was seeking opportunity to do the Philistines, and the Holy Spirit did come upon him. I want you to notice that he had an eye problem with women, and God used the occasion when he was married, but he never used the occasion when he was with the prostitute or with Delilah. It's a huge difference. Okay. In chapter 16 and verse 1, then Samson went to Gaza and saw, see the eye problem, the E-Y-E problem, a harlot, and he went in unto her. In 16.4, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And we all know about Delilah, and we'll talk about her some more later on. And then 16, 16 and 17, and it came to pass that she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. So the ladies were able to have a way with him to cause him to lose discernment. Now, the one thing <clears throat> I want to stress is during this whole, as we go through chapter 16, this is important for all of us. Accountability. Where were Samson's friends? And the answer was, he didn't have any. Got it? 
they were first called Christians in Antioch because they did two things. They followed the teachings of Christ and anybody? They gathered together. Christian has two definitions. If you sit in your living room at home and watch television, that's not the definition. You could be trying to follow the teachings of Christ, but there's an there's a communion with fellow citizens that puts you in the definition of Christ. And we need that. We're going to read chapter 16. And I guarantee you, if any one of you were doing some of the dumb things he's going to be doing, a good friend would have cuffed him upside the head. We need those kind of friends. Okay? And he didn't have any friends. So he had an eye for the ladies and he was not surrounding himself with like believers. There's plenty of scriptures on that. Okay? Hebrews 12 is talking about God, my son. This is our heavenly father. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. You know, Paul's talking to people, but he's talking about our heavenly father. Or faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he reckoneth. I'm sorry, receiveth. Receiveth. Now, you ever heard this saying when you're spanking your child? Sugar, this is going to hurt me more than you. And the little kid says, yeah, sure, right, Dad. Well, it really does. But it's true love to do that. Yes. If you endure chastening, God deal with you as sons. And what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye will be without chastement, then where of all things ye are bastards and not sons. And the word bastard here is a legal position. It's not a cuss word. It's used in a legal position. Okay? <clears throat> so, Samson had two eye problems. He had an EYE problem, and he had a capital I problem. Let's deal with the EYE problem. It's interesting, in Matthew 9, 18 and 9, it says, If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. You know, that's exactly what I believe God's going to do to Samson. You think, Brother Dolph, that sounds pretty radical. Let's go on and let's keep on reading these EYEs in the final verses. In 1621, the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters, and he did grind in the prison house. In 1622, his hair started growing back and he got his strength. And he goes to God and look what his prayer is. Lord, for your cause, help me to destroy these the Philistines. No, that's not what he said. You know what he says? Lord, avenge my two eyes. Okay, we're going to look more at this prayer in a second. What if... That was God's punishment. Okay. I want to show you something here in a second. Let's go over here. Let's see if I can find it. Here it is right there. See that right there? Did you know Isaac was a patriarch over Israel for 50 years as a blind man? 50 years. Do you think God was done with Gideon? I think he could probably use him as a judge, as a blind man. Think it's possible? I'm not saying it is, but it is possible. My point is, let God take you out. Don't take yourself out. Okay? Let's go this. Look at this prayer that he prays. He says, 
here's the capital I problem. Oh, Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, strengthen me. I pray thee this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. You know, when my kids were small, I always teased them about the me monster. That was language that was just packed with me, myself, and I. And I even preached a sermon on it. With, I went through all the speeches in Scripture where there was a me monster. Jephthah's, real quick. Let's look at this one real fast. Let's see if I can find it real fast. Here it is. <clears throat> there it is. Notice Jephthah's. <clears throat> and, and I've gone through Scripture, and I think I've got about, I don't know, 16 or 18. I can't remember how many speeches that are jam-packed. You know, whenever one, anyone gave one of these orations that's loaded with it, it never worked out well. Never. Look what Jephthah's speech is. I and my people were at great strife with the children. We went over this last week, right? See how many all these me, myself, and I were in there? That self-centered perspective will always get you in trouble. Now, Gideon was in the exact same position as Jephthah, and look at his speech. What a difference in the language. So Gideon was all about himself. So what I want to do now is I want to go back and read this chapter 16 one more time. And I want to read this from the perspective of y'all being a Christian. And there's someone in your church that's behaving just remotely similar to Samson. Okay? Samson's not around other fellow believers. And, and let's see how many times you just go, what were you thinking? Okay? I want to read this whole chapter. We're going to see Samson exhibit strength, but every time he exhibits his natural strength, a gift of God, the Spirit is not on him because he's outside God's will right now. Then went Samson to Gaza, saw there an harlot, we already read about this, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson had come hither. <clears throat> and they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city. And were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight, and rose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill that was before Hebron. He got away with it. His natural abilities got him out of the mess. Sometimes we are rebellious and the gifts God gives us gets us out of the mess. Sometimes. Let's keep on going. You ever hear the phrase that God is long-suffering? He was long-suffering with Samson. He wasn't forever suffering, but he was long-suffering. Why? Because he loved Samson. He couldn't let him continue going on in that path of destruction. Okay, you got a friend, and he's defying the Lord, and he's being rebellious, and he's, he does something really, really dumb, and you tell him that what you're doing is really, really dumb, and he gets bailed out. Somehow he gets bailed out. What does he do? He looks at, I'm okay. 
it worked out okay. Amen? Yes? Amen? All right, let's keep on going. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Okay. Okay, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the two single guys. Okay, Brandon and, and, and James, I'm put you on the spot. When I was growing up, my grandma from Italy, she was born in Italy, raised in Italy, and she always used to tell my cousin and I, stay away from the crazy women. And the phrase that she used is crababats. In Italian, that means a crazy goat. Stay away from the crababats. And my cousin Tony and I would always laugh and say that. So, so what happened was, is when I found, my, I met my first wife, the first thing I did is, one of the first things I did is I went over to Grandma's house, and, and, and her name was Melanie, and I take Melanie up to her. I says, here, Grandma, I want you to meet Melanie. And she's not a Karababatz. And she just laughed, and she blushed, and she went like that. But my point is, okay, you two guys are single, and all of a sudden, Brandon starts dating a Karababatz. Okay? Brandon. Brandon, okay. James, what are you going to do? Well, he's a big boy. He can make his own choices. Yeah, I can guarantee you that Lincoln won't let him off the hook. I don't think Graham will let him off the hook. Hopefully, no men. And that's you too, Brother Randy and Peter and Greg. I hope you don't let them off the hook. You'll say, what is wrong with you? Do you understand the instructions that's coming down the road? Run! <laughs> Run! Okay. We need those people. <clears throat> and the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, Entice him. And see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know how many Philistine lords there were. If there was five, that's 4,400 pieces of silver. That's a pretty good booty. Amen? Yeah. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. I don't know. If a girl asked me that, I'd say, Why do you want to know that? And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Now he's lying through his teeth. Yes? Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green widths, which had not been dried, and she bound with him. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the widths as a thread of tow is broken that toucheth the fire, so his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies, Samson, what is wrong with you? This woman just tied you up, got an army in her bedroom, and as soon as she got, she called him out to kill you, and she said, you mocked me? I mean, he is so tunnel vision at women, he couldn't see. 
You know what he needed? A friend to cuff him upside the head. But he didn't have any. Samson, she's trying to kill you. Run! Yes. But he couldn't see it. Verse 11, no, 10. I didn't finish 10. Thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, and shall I be weak and be as another man? Again, he's lying through his teeth. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars await, and they were back in her bedroom. And he brake them from off his arms like a thread. <clears throat> and Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. The same scenario. Samson, what's wrong with you? Where was Samson's friends? We need friends like that. And I got news for you. A church is made up of people of all ages. Okay? Don't trust your 14-year-old friends to explain the dangers to a 14-year-old. Hang around 20-year-olds. Hang around 30-year-olds. Hang around 50-year-olds. Hang around 80-year-olds. Develop a relationship with them. They can see that. They've seen this scenario play out with these Krababats 50-fold. How many 14-year-olds have seen that? None. They're too enamored, and they got the hormones thinking instead of their heads, Right? That's what a church is. It's a group of people. <clears throat> Let's see, where did I leave off? Verse 12. Um, how about a halfway through? The Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and there were liars in wait, and he break like a thread. Verse 13. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me therefore thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web. You know what Samson's doing here? He's tempting God. There is no way around it. He is tempting God. His natural ability keeps him out of trouble time after time after time, and he continues just to mock God and do what he knows is wrong. And she took the seven locks and she fasted it with a pin and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon them, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and he went the way of the pin and the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee? Delilah, how can you say you love him? Right? But he can't reason. He's too enamored. He's got the affections going so strong he can't see straight, he can't think straight. So this is more than Samson, it's, it's his fellowship too. How can thou say I love thee when thy heart is not with me? And thou hast mocked me these three times, and thou hast tried to kill me three times, right? And hast not told me wherein thy strength lay. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. 
that he told her all her heart and said unto her, There are not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Anyone want to guess what Delilah's going to do? She's going to get her buddy, her Philistine guys, going to put them in the bedroom, going to shave his head, and say, give me those 4,400 pieces of silver. And when Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once. And she showed me all, he showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep on his knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. My friends, he was so calloused towards the Lord that he didn't even recognize that the Lord had left him. Now, there's another time this phrase was used. Did you realize that when Moses came off the mountain and he'd spent all that time with the Lord and his face was shining, he wist not that his face was like that. Moses was so accompanied, so used to fellowshipping with God in such a tight communion, when he had this glow, he didn't even recognize it. But for the negative, Samson was just the same where he was so calloused and so far from the Lord and being in his will that when the Lord pulled away, he didn't even notice it. It's like the, it's like the, the father that um, doesn't spend a lot of time with his children. And all of a sudden he looks and he doesn't even realize his children don't need him anymore. Amen? Don't even know it. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. I don't know. I can't say for sure. This is not where I'm going to draw a line in the sand. But of all the things they could have done. You know, in the Old Testament, you know what they used to do? They used to cut off a man's thumbs and his big toes. They didn't cut off his thumbs and his big toes. That's the way you take care of a warrior. A warrior without thumbs and big toes can't fight anymore. They took out his eyes. Why they took out his eyes? The man had a high problem. I think the Lord was probably in that. And then he says, Lord, avenge me of my eyes. Oh, maybe God could have said, Sam, no, I'm the one that took those away. <clears throat> and he ended up killing himself. Okay? So, Let's keep on going. And the lords of the Philistines gathered themselves together for a great sacrifice to Dagon and their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they pressed their God. And for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our country. And he slew many of us. And it came to pass when the hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he makes sport of him. And, and we know that particular story. Samson's going to be in there and he's going to be brought up and he's used to being in a dungeon and no doubt he's in rags and he's probably got this scraggly old beard and just dirty and filthy and smelly. And they take him and they put him in the temple and they chain him up there and he's behind and he's right there and he goes to a little boy and he says, Boy, where's the two pillars? And he, he, he's still blind and he can't see and he pushes those things down. But when he pushes them down... This was not a great act of faith. 
It was a great act of vengeance. Lord, avenge me. It was not a glorious act. But my point is, as far as Samson got away from the Lord at the end of his life, he's still listed in Hebrews 11. He's still God's. And it says he ruled Israel. He judged Israel for 20 years. But he got to a point where he kept on relying on his strength and his abilities, and he forgot that he was nothing more than a steward for the Lord in heaven. And when he got used to relying on himself, he forgot about God, and then God withdrew from him and led him to his own devices. My friends, that's not what you want to do. Sometimes as a father, you have a child, and it's time to back away. Now, I always laugh at this because when parents do this, we say, okay, Lord, he's not mine, he's yours. Like, all of a sudden, you're handing him over to God. He was always God's. Amen? Lord, I realize I can't do this anymore. I've done everything I know to do. If there's something else I need to do, I'll pray James 1.5 all night long. Lord, give me wisdom. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. I'm ready. to. I just, I don't know what to do. I just want to do what you want me to do. Just tell me what it is. There it is. And then there's time to walk away. Okay, God, let me watch. You know what? I'm going to get my rocker. I'm going to get on the porch. I'm going to look at the horizon. And I'm going to wait to see what you do. There's a time for that. There's a time for that. But the point I always stress when I talk about that situation, I can't preach that product, that parable without saying, Dad had to come off the porch for both sons. Amen? He came off the porch for the younger son, but he also came off the porch for the older son. And he said, Boy, you've always been with me. Your son was dead and now he's alive. And you're pitching a fit over a party? Come here, son. So that son needed it too. It was just a different kind of rebellion. Lord, have mercy on us. But despite our knuckleheaded things, the relationship is still there. The fellowship's not always there, but the relationship is. And my point is the heartache that Samson received was of his own device. And when we rebel from the Lord, we don't obey him to earn our relationship with him. We obey him to keep the fellowship with him. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. My son will always be my son. Will not always be close, but my son will always be my son. My daughter will always be my daughter will not always be tight. And life's so much better when we're tight for both parties. Amen? So, there we are. What I hope to do at the end of this study <clears throat> is take, go back and double back and get all eight. And can, can you think of a chart of a stock market? Okay. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all these eight people that we're going to look at and we're going to make a chart and we're going to chart their lives with fellowship with God. 
And maybe one is going straight up. And maybe one's going straight down. And when it's done, we're going to get all eight of those people on the sheet. And we're going to see there's only one way all eight of those people can get into Hebrews 11. And that's by grace. The Lord bless you. Thank you.